That was a harbinger of your future. That um, the, the holy name was so powerful today, because uh, the devotees were really chanting from their hearts, and we're hearing that the. the, the begging for mercy from Krishna so that any ceremony that we have in our Krishna consciousness movement is preceded and followed by the chanting of the holy name because it's the only means of success or moving forward in spiritual life. So in beginning this ceremony today, we pray to Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada who's presiding over this ceremony, who always will preside over every ceremony that we perform within the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. He is the founder Acharya. And we beg for his mercy and the mercy of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to make this ceremony today a success. And we ask all the devotees today who have so kindly assembled here and those who are who have joined us online from various places around the world, to please open their hearts and pour their mercy into the, uh, to the hearts and minds of the um, about to be initiated or those who are about to be second initiated. Everyone who thinks this is a good idea, please say Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna! It's unanimous. So today's ceremony is an initiation ceremony. We have our head priest presiding today, Srivas Pandit Prabhu. We can welcome <laughs> We have our initiates who have assembled here. You'll see that they are colorfully adorned and uh, looking um, bright today as their future is bright they're looking bright also and we'll uh, proceed uh, Srivas Pandit Prabhu will start with a mantra he'll introduce it he'll talk about it and then we'll together chant the Sri Brahma Sanghita to invoke auspiciousness after that I'll say a few words about the meaning of initiation and then we'll have the naming of the initiates and giving of certificates to those who are taking second initiation and then we'll have a live fire right here in the room <laughs> don't tell anybody um, <laughs> it's just a tiny fire I offer my respectful obeisances to his divine grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada and to the Guru Parampara, all the great Acharyas who have come before Srila Prabhupada, and after my respectful obeisances to all of you, because you are all Vaishnavas, and therefore are the most worshipable within the three worlds. Hare Krishna. We beg for the mercy of Shishi Radhamadan Mohan, of Shishi Lakshmi Nishingadev and Sriman Mahaprabhu, who are presiding today. This initiation of a devotee 
connecting to the Supreme Personality of Godhead is a heart-to-heart -heart connection. Vira Raghavacharya in the 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam in discussing the advent of Lord Krishna mentions how the Lord first enters within the heart and mind of Vasudev and then is transferred into the mind and heart of Devaki. And here the Acharya says that initiation is from the heart. It's not simply an official ceremony, but it's a personal connection. Everyone is a part and parcel of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Sanitya nitya sambandhas prakritishcha paraivasa. In the Brahma Samhita, just past where we started, Ishvara Paramakrishna, it is said that everyone has an eternal relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And just as the Supreme Personality of God is eternally a person and is the origin of everything else, we are also individual persons eternally. This is very clearly mentioned by Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, Natve Vaham Jatunasam Natam Nemi Janadi Paha. He tells Arjuna that all you, you and all these kings on the battlefield, you existed before, you'll exist um, after this battle. And even if uh, people leave their bodies, just only the temporary field that you're living within now, uh, you'll always exist. And the conceptions that I have of past and future really only relate to this temporary material body that I'm inhabiting. And, of course, I have the material field, the Shetra, which is extremely new. I just picked it up recently. And then there's another field, which is the psychological body that I carry with me, and I've had that for a long time. The Shastras mention how we travel with our mental body. In fact, Krishna says that this is the cause of me adhering to the material world, which is dead matter. Somehow I project my own consciousness into matter, and I think there's something in it for me. Although the Vedas say, really there's nothing here for you because it's not your nature. So there's a conundrum for every soul who's in a body, and there's a solution to that conundrum. It's more than a conundrum. That sounds a little light, doesn't it? <laughs> I once said in a class that the material world's very inconvenient, and one of my god brothers afterwards said, inconvenient? <laughs> It's rather torturous. But there's a solution, and you found it, and that's why you're here. So this is chalked out in the Shastra and also by the great Acharyas, especially in this particular age, the system is simplified because it's an age crowded with bad ideas, and lots of useless things to do and distractions. Prayina paisha shabya kalavasmin yugejana manda sumanda matayo manda bhagya hupadrita. 
as confirmed in the beginning of the Bhagavatam, mostly, prayina alpa ayusha. Most people have a very meager, short lifespan. Alpa means tiny. Ayusha means lifespan. In this age of Kali Yuga, Manda Sumanda, people are very slow to take up spiritual life. And Sumanda Mateya, they have really bad ideas. <laughs> they think of really stupid stuff. Sumanda Mateo, Manda Pagya. And they don't get good fortune very much. So people need relief, and Krishna always gives relief. So in the age of Kali Yuga, the process for connecting with Krishna, reviving one's spiritual life, very particularly is the chanting of the holy names of the Lord. Harir Nama, Harir Nama, Harir Nama Eva Kevalam Kalauna Stevena Stevena Steva Gatiranyata. In this age of Kali Yuga, there's no other way, no other way, no other way than chanting the holy names, chanting the holy names, chanting the holy names. Got it? And there's a way in which the Vedic philosophy starts off with showing us how to do rituals to please the devas. But then there's the Upanishads, which describe how we're not really part of this world and start to point our attention towards our original divine source. And then we have the Vedanta Sutra in which Srila Vyasadeva summarizes the Upanishads and gives a, a hint about the deeper contemplation of the Absolute Truth. And then later, he gives a natural commentary on the Vedanta Sutra at the request of his spiritual master in the Srimad Bhagavatam, which gives very explicit instruction about how to perform spiritual life properly and also describes the nature of the Absolute Truth, Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So very recently, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu brought to light the Srimad Bhagavatam and also the chanting of the holy names of the Lord. And the Acharya of the chanting of the holy names, the, the teacher who illuminated the perfect process was Srila Haridas Thakur. And Srila Haridas Thakur in his teachings about the holy name describes how there's three phases. The first phase is called Nama Paradha. It's chanting the holy name, but one's committing offenses to the name. In this, there's very little progress or none at all. And then there's Namabasa, where one is reforming oneself and getting some light from the holy name. It's very beneficial. Srila Prabhupada used to call this the clearing stage. And then there's Shudanam, or chanting the pure name of the Lord. And in order to follow the actual process for attaining perfection and chanting the holy name, one must at least be chanting the holy name in Namabas. Means one's being careful to avoid the offenses in the manner of chanting the holy name of the Lord. And the first offense is to blaspheme devotees who've dedicated their lives to propagating the holy name of the Lord and spreading it all over the world. 
Basically, Krishna extends himself to all of us through his devotees. No one can say that they haven't come to the Krishna conscious movement without the help of Vaishnavas. Whether they're big Vaishnavas or small Vaishnavas. My Vartmana Pradakshaka Guru was Richie Korsa from high school. He acted as an agent for the Lord. The last time I saw him, I invited him into my house and I, I honored him. He got all embarrassed. And he said, listen, Willie, if I ever did any, I'll never do anything good in my life, but I, at least I know I did one good thing. <laughs> I brought you to Krishna consciousness. And then there, there are other ways in which devotees give us instruction. Uh, I got a lot of instruction when I first joined. People told me everything I shouldn't do. Don't put your, don't put your feet there. Don't bow down like that. <laughs> Lots of shiksha gurus. And instruction... <laughs> But devotees help us to move forward on the path of devotional service as soon as we come into their association. And through this, we actually come to know more and more about Krishna through the mercy of devotees. And therefore, to criticize devotees is very hurtful to Krishna because the devotees are so dear to him. And this is emphasized more than anything in, throughout the Shastras is to be very careful not to criticize devotees. Uh, practically, why criticize anybody unnecessarily? It's not a, a very sanguine lifestyle to uh, take it up as a, to be a critic. No, I mean, who asked you anyway? <laughs> if someone specifically asks you and says, you know, could you please criticize me? <laughs> Which happens a lot, right? Uh, <laughs> then maybe. But otherwise, uh, why not look at oneself and see where the gaps are? Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, before you see all the faults in others, why don't you see them in, in yourself and try to amend the way in which uh, you're talking, the way in which you're practicing, and so forth. And practically, people who do that set an example that's so powerful that others are compelled to follow. It's a much better way of teaching. So you have full permission from me to sign that little box. There's a little form you can fill out that says that I eschew the criticism of Vaishnavs um, from now on. And you just put the little checkbox in there and then no one can bother you after that. No one can induce you to uh, participate in, in such an activity and uh, you'll you'll be free to chant the holy name especially when you're uh, devoid of that and it'll it'll be noticeable when you're around Vaishnavs that won't utter a word they won't go over the line where they're saying things about other Vaishnavas behind their backs uh, maybe in front of them using nonviolent speech and communicating very carefully of what seems to be the problem without without uh, mentioning uh, any intention or saying that uh, I think you intended to do this or telling you always do this. A lot of communication mistakes, just being very careful. Then, then you'll be free to, to go on chanting. There are other offenses that are mentioned. Uh, another one is to equate worship of demigods with the, the worship of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. They're all limbs of the Supreme Lord, 
But Krishna is the origin of everyone and everything. He's the supreme cause of all causes. Oftentimes, people chant the holy names of the Lord and they think that Krishna is a thing. But we say Krishna is the thing. There's no a thing. It's, he's the only thing. And theologically, philosophically, ontologically, this is born out in the Bhagavad Gita, which is the main source of evidence. To disobey the orders of the spiritual master, consider the spiritual master to be an ordinary person. There's a way in which we have a lifeline to Krishna through the extension of guru. And the principle of guru is twofold. It's a position and it's also a person. And both should be respected. And just because if the guru is from Iowa, and when he or she goes back to Iowa, everyone says, hey, you're just a Hawkeye. Or, you know, like says, you know, <laughs> who do you think you are? We saw you growing up and, you know, you're nobody. Prabhupada points out in the fourth canto of the Bhagavatam, this doesn't affect the, the vision of those who have taken shelter of a particular guru because they see that that's the representative of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And honoring the, the guru in the disciplic succession and the, the post of guru and also the personality of the guru is the means mentioned. Tadvignanartam sagurum evabhikachet samitpani shotriyam brahmanishtam. That uh, it's imperative that, that one should connect oneself. In fact, Rupa Goswami mentions out of the 64 items of devotional service, the first three that are prominent is that one should take shelter of guru, one should inquire from guru, one should take initiation from, from guru. So there's emphasis put there and it's for a reason because it's the way in which Kaviraj Goswami says in the first chapter of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishna manifests himself in our lives in a very personal way. If he came personally from Vaikuntha and said, let's go back to Godhead now, I might say, are you sure now? Because <laughs> I have homework. And besides that, I haven't paid my taxes yet. And however, when there's a localized manifestation uh, sent by Krishna as a delegate through a distributor, then uh, one can express one's heartfelt appreciation and problems and work them out. Guru is meant to help one uh, as a parent would to grow up in Krishna consciousness. And Prabhupada writes in the, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, just as a child can't grow up properly without parents, so similarly one must also have the safety of a guru. So follow the orders of the guru who's speaking according to Shastra. A guru is also like an attorney who knows the law books. And if you try to take on City Hall by yourself, a current off Prabhu, you can verify without any knowledge of how the system works, that what are the odds of winning? I mean, you can't fight City Hall anyway, but uh, what are the odds? You can't fight by yourself, but Kurnoff Prabhu is available. <laughs> He's an attorney. Uh, he knows the law books. If you have a problem, go to somebody who's already studied it. They have a wall full of books, and they know how to the, the cite case law, and the, they have precedent. This is mentioned in the Srimad Bhagavatam, Rideha Madhyam Sulabham Sadur Labham Plavam 
Sankalpam Guru Karnadaram. And Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur points to this and he says, the Srimad Bhagavatam says, when you get a human form of life, it's like a boat. And on a boat, you got to have a captain. If you don't have a captain, you're going to sink. And so then he says, and if you're chanting the holy names and you don't take shelter under a, a Vaishnav somewhere, then you're committing the third offense, which is to, to disobey the orders of the spiritual master. How do you like that? So you like it. So um, this is an important principle in one's life, to respect the principle of guru, not just in your own life, but in the lives of others. Don't try to degrade the position of guru just because somebody it's not your guru. Big guru, small guru, guru in my group, guru in another group, all gurus should be respected. Because the principle of guru means coming from Krishna. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu even respected the position of a king, even when the king was uh, not so savory. Because he said, well, it's a manifestation of the Supreme Lord's opulence appearing there with the speech of, of someone who's speaking on behalf of the Lord. Uh, don't mind that the details might be a little different coming from another guru. Respect the post of guru wherever you see it and in your own life. And you'll, you'll be connected to Krishna very nicely in that way. It's like a telescope. If you demand to look into the big end rather than the small end, you're not going to see much. But if you look into the little opening, you'll see everything through the agency of the local guru, localized guru. And then there's blasphemy in the Vedic literatures, which are in pursuance of the Vedic version. The Shastras are not mundane. Although they appear in paper and ink, apparently, it's the eternal reaching the position of the temporal and manifesting in our lives in such a way that we can have communion with Krishna. Just through Bhagavad Gita, if you take just five minutes a day to read the Bhagavad Gita, you'll notice for yourself that Krishna is speaking to you directly. And the, the Shastras uh, come to this world in various forms. We're so fortunate because we have the most important Shastras, Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita, Nectar of Devotion. And if you become expert at those th three books and know everything about them, then you'll be able to perfectly execute the process of Krishna consciousness and teach to others all over the world. Considering the glories of chanting Hare Krishna to be imaginary means that you don't pay attention. And that's the root cause mentioned after all the other ten offenses. If you don't pay attention, then you just get bored when you're chanting. And you'll start thinking like, well, maybe it is imaginary because you're not getting a, an experience for yourself. So make sure that you f pay full attention when you're chanting the holy names. Be present for the holy name and surrender your heart and beg for something. Put out your hand and at least, you know, imagine that you're putting out your hand and asking, could I have just a little something, even a little drop of mercy when I'm chanting? So you don't consider it imaginary because you have to see it for yourself. The next offense is to give some mundane interpretation on the holy name of the Lord. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when encountered by a great scholar who said, I have some very eloquent uh, interpretations of the holy name, said, I only know two names, Yashoda Nandan and Shamasundar. Krishna is black like a rain cloud and he's the son of Mother Yashoda. And that's all I know. I don't need to hear anything else. The holy name, it's 
perfect and powerful in itself. No need to give all kinds of erudite explanations of, of the meaning of, of, the, of the name or speculate. Seventh offense is right up there with the first. The first offense and seventh offense are mentioned by Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur in his commentary on the sixth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam to be uh, onerous. He says all the other offenses can be overcome simply by continuing the chant, but if you commit the first or the seventh offense, which is to commit sins on the strength of chanting, that means you think, because I'm chanting, I can do whatever I want because the name will erase everything, all my sins. And you try to take advantage of the holy name. Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says, it's not that you can just um, b become free from those easily. He said, the results of that is frightening. And he said, in order to become free from the reaction, you'll have to suffer. The eighth offense is to consider the glories of chanting Hare Krishna being one of the ritualistic activities mentioned in the Vedas as fruit of activity. Actually, the Kali Santaran Upanishad, is everyone okay or am I going too fast? It's all right? Kali Santaran Upanishad says that the, if, you, if you know how to look through all the Vedas, you'll find that the very essential part is the chanting of Hare Krishna. And the mantra is actually mentioned there. And therefore, uh, to think that, that the holy name is equal to some kind of mundane uh, process which helps one get better positioned in the material world and is meant for attaining some fruit of result is an offense. Ninth offense is to teach faithless people about the glories of the holy name. This is good news for everyone. I'm going to save you a lot of time right now. <laughs> the thing is that not everybody is interested in hearing about the holy name or taking up spiritual life. Here's the good part. You're not obligated to run after them. You don't have to keep calling them. You can cross them off your list if they tell you, I'm not interested. Because the teacher of Krishna consciousness, as mentioned in the Srimad Bhagavatam, 11th Canto, Ishvare Taradineshu Bali Sheshu Dusatsucha Prema Maitri Kripo Peksha Yakaroti Samadhyamaha has a duty to observe categories of people. And here they are. First is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. You should know who he is. It's Krishna. And you should develop love for Krishna. Put all your energy uh, and focus your mind on Krishna. Next are the devotees. For the devotees, you should make appropriate friendships. And next are the innocent. You should plan your life around giving as much mercy as possible to those who are innocent. It means they're open to the idea of spiritual life and of Krishna consciousness. Therein, you can give all your life's energy. And then there are those who hate the idea of Krishna consciousness. They think it's, uh, they think it's primitive, bizarre. They, they just don't like the idea of it. They're against it. And for them, you have full permission to go the other way. Cross the street before you walk by them or whatever you need to do, but you don't have to engage them. In fact, you're not supposed to. You can, from a distance, pray for them, says Jiva Goswami, and say, I wish I had a way to be more effective. But don't engage them because it makes them more envious. Did I save you a lot of time? Okay, good. The tenth offense is to not have complete faith in the chanting of the holy name and to maintain some material attachments, even after understanding so many instructions on the matter. So, if anybody here has ever 
procrastinated. Anyone? Okay. You procrastinated raising your hand too, right? Um, <laughs> then the, there's a technique for, for this, uh, avoiding this 10th offense, which is quite useful actually. If you know how to procrastinate in normal circumstances and things that are important, then just procrastinate on um, the material desires that present themselves as possible opportunities in your life. And just say, you know, fine, I recognize you're perfectly lovely, but maybe later. Because it's a, a, the wrist is a, whatever you resist persists, but if you just give it a little space and say later on, like Haridas Thakur did when a um, <clears throat> prostitute came and tried to dissuade him or, or discredit him, he just said, okay, later. Fine, I gotta finish my rounds. So first of all, be preoccupied with your devotional service, and then you have permission to procrastinate on material desires. Maintaining something takes a lot of work. Like if you have plants, did you water them today or this week? It's easy to kill plants. I once saw a book in a, in a store somewhere and it said, 10 house plants even you can't kill. So we'll see about that. <laughs> the fact is that maintaining something requires a little attention. So if you have material desires, try to just ease off on the attention and see if they'll just wither away and die. And also replace them with something that's hearty and wholesome, the practice of spiritual life. And finally, uh, be attentive when you chant, because it's an offense to be inattentive while chanting. And this can be proved just on a regular, everyday basis when we're dealing with our friends and family. In fact, I do this exercise oftentimes where I ask somebody to start telling me about their morning, like if Srivas Pandit was about to tell me now. And then suddenly I look at my watch. I mean, it's torturous, actually. It, it's, it's dangerous. Uh, my relationship with him could be uh, damaged, actually. He might go home thinking, I was telling him about my day, and he looked at his watch. I don't think he likes me anymore. <laughs> he has something better to do. That was a, a half a second looking away. Conscious living beings have feelings. They're sentient. Krishna and his name are non-different. He's personally present when we chant his holy name. And therefore, if I look away, I look at other thoughts, instead of concentrating on the fact that he's present in his holy name, then it becomes offensive. And the way to avoid that, really, is to go the opposite way. Arrange a, a time and a place when you chant so that you're fully focused on the holy name, and you'll have all success. Because Krishna is so merciful in his holy name. So those of you who are taking the Harinam initiation today, it means, number one, you're making a vow to avoid these ten offenses. Okay? Say yes. I need a verbal yes. It's like in the emergency aisle on the plane. You can't just, mm-hmm. Because they go like, take your headset off and say yes, and then you go like, yes, okay, I agree to help in the ca case of an unlikely emergency. So, uh, all of you are agreeing, please, that you'll 
live a lifestyle which is avo avoidant of the ten offenses and including um, the inattention uh, clause at the end. Yes? yes. Thank you. Uh, that way you'll quickly advance on the path of devotional service. And the second is that Prabhupada mentions how important it is to change your name. He says this is essential when you take first initiation. It's a very interesting part of Krishna consciousness. You're entering into a new life and you take a new name. That's significant because you've had your name and identified with it since the very beginning. But now there's a different identification when you have your name. You tell it to other people, you write it on things, and you think of yourself differently. And in connection with your guru and with Krishna and the guru parampara. So it's significant, don't you think? Yeah. So you also, those who are taking first initiation today, be accepting a, a, a name, which is Das or Dasi, which relates to your, your focus in life, serving the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And um, th then um, there's four regulative principles, which are no eating of meat, fish, or eggs, and no gambling, no illicit sex, and no intoxication. These uh, four basic pillars of sinful life really mess everything up. They confound the, the poor little delicate human frame and mind, and they put us in a, a realm where we can't really guarantee what we're saying is correct or not because we've become so filled with the modes of nature. So this is a basic human uh, prescri prescription to follow these four regulative principles. Don't you agree? Yes. Thank you. And so making a vow to follow four regular principles sets you apart from 99.9% .9 of the world's population. Are you ready for that? Yes. Good. You be the example. You show them that this is what a real spiritual life is, is. It's a commitment to these basic principles and to also the positive activity of communing with the Lord directly by chanting his, his holy names and living a, a very a wholesome lifestyle. Those of you who are taking second initiation today have already taken first initiation or the Harinam initiation at some time. And part of the progression in the, our Sampradaya is that then there's an initiation or a mantra diksha. They will be taking, and all of you already have, we met earlier, and I spoken to your right ear, the, the mantras that were spoken to me by Srila Prabhupada, and I'm passing them down as I receive them. And these mantras are esoteric mantras that connect us with the Supreme Personality of God. And by the way, Gurney Tyre here in the audience. Hare Krishna. If that isn't auspicious, I don't know what is. But they're sitting right there. I just thought I'd tell you. Um, <laughs> mantra diksha means that you accept these uh, beautiful mantra mantras that are sound deities and you, you every day three times a day you chant them from your heart you listen to them and this helps you conceive of krishna as a person they're, they're written in a form in which you're you're reaching out worshiping krishna remembering his qualities and forms and you're remembering the different stages of advancement in devotional service and those who take up the second initiation vows after being very steady in the first uh, vows that they took, then also enter into the process of deity worship. 
and deity worship is important because although chanting of the Hare Krishna mantra is sufficient for going back home, back to Godhead, it's very difficult in the age of Kali Yuga because there's so much contamination naturally already within the heart along with one's birth as well as those things added in as, as we move through life. And the deity worship helps and the Pancharatric life, which starts when? The life of a Pancharatric starts when? In the day, when, when in the day? What time in the morning? When you first wake up. You wake up and there's a way of connecting to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Throughout the day, one's life uh, rotates around the worship of the deity. In this way, one keeps oneself in the sattvagun, being extremely uh, clean for the sake of the deity, inwardly and outwardly, and uh, giving all of one's possessions to the deity, all of one's attention to the deity, and so forth. And in deity worship, then, one is able to stay steady so that one can continuously chant the holy name throughout one's lifetime. Now, a couple more um, basic points. One is that it's important to practice uh, humility because when we're humble, then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, we can go on chanting the holy name of the Lord constantly. Queen Kunti says in her prayers, Janmai Shraya Shruta Shribir Edamanamadapuman Naivar Hat Yavidatum Vai Twamakinchanagocharam. That if you think that you're something, like I have a high birth, I have money, I have uh, beauty. If you think you have something, then it's really hard to beg. And it's really hard to feel helpless and take the mercy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So Practicing humility is really important. And the second point is that you really do have to practice because this doesn't come automatically. There was a little boy once and his father gave him some bread. And the boy said, this is really good. I want more. Where do I get it? Father said, you come with me, I'll show you. So he took him to a big field. He said, here's a plow, plow the field. The boy plowed the field. He was finished, and he said, where's my bread? The father said, just be patient. And the next day, he brought him some seeds. He said, okay, now you plant those seeds in the field. boy worked all day, put the seeds in. Came back, said, where's the bread? His father said, you just be patient. And then came the fruit of the seeds. The wheat came up. And the man took his son to the field and showed him how to harvest the wheat. So the boy worked really hard, harvested all the wheat. He said, where's my bread? And the father said, just be quiet for a minute. And then he took all the wheat berries to the mill. And then it became really hard work. He said, here's the grinder. You grind these up into powder. So the boy worked all day long. And at the end, he said, now where's the bread? And father said, you just wait a little longer. And next day, he took him to the kitchen. He showed him how to add a little bit of oil and water and yeast to the bread, set it to rise, and then put it in the oven. 
And the boy was still asking, where's my bread, until it came out. Then his father said, first you have to offer it to Krishna. <laughs> he didn't say that, but I added it. And then he got his bread. So we have to remember that practice is something that it distinguishes those who are great at something from those who simply dabble. Don't dabble in Krishna consciousness. Put your full mind and intelligence into this and be patient. Because it takes a long time to get something that's worthwhile. And there's nothing more, th more worthwhile than attaining the, the perfection in chanting the holy name of the Lord. Perfection means at least you can, for now, concentrate on the holy name and not be restless when chanting. And you feel that uh, I want to chant. This is a good sign. And it's a good sign, too, when you get to 16 rounds and you say, oh, I ran out of time. I wish I had more time to, to chant. And Krishna will give you more time. So take time to practice and realize that this is a lifetime in preparation. Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says, some people get the results of devotional service uh, more quickly than others, but it's up to Krishna when it comes. He said, some people don't get the full results until they leave their body. Are you ready for that? to wait, to be patient, to trust Krishna. You have to cultivate knowledge of the science of Krishna consciousness and be very patient in your practice and never give it up. This is the main point. Even if you don't feel like doing it, please do it anyway. Please say yes. yes. And continue on all circumstances. The solution, believe it or not, to every problem is spiritual. And the best spiritual practice is to take shelter of the holy name. So make this the panacea of your life that I take shelter of God, Krishna, by connecting to him through his holy names, and I do it every single day. And this 16 rounds is minimum. This is uh, a number given to us by our acharya. And there's power in that. It's called Sankhya Purvaka, numerical strength. When an acharya says something, like, if you chant 16 rounds, then uh, you'll go back to Godhead. Then you can take it to the bank. Because as the Bhagavatam says, uh, when an Acharya d divines a process and offers it to us, it's like a boat. And if you even try to approach that boat with the intention of riding in it, then the ocean sh shrinks. And it gets so small that you can step over it. So that's how powerful it is taking the words of the Acharya. So stick to the 16 rounds as your life and soul, minimum, and keep that up through your lifetime, through thick and thin. And don't criticize. Be uh, vigilant in your practice. The price of freedom is vigilance. Otherwise, we can become victimized very easily by degrees by the material energy. And it's a lot easier to stay in shape than it is to get in shape. Yes? So stay in uh, spiritual, stay spiritually fit throughout your life. And uh, don't let up. And even if you uh, apply a modicum of, of these 
precautions and the practice throughout your life, you'll be successful by the mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Not to the Not to the Not to the Not to the